Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got some great guests today. And the headline for this story really caught my eye. Why the Detroit automakers are losing ground in the world's largest auto market. It was fascinating. Jordan Grzelski and Kaylee Hall wrote this together. And we've got them both on. We're going to talk about that. Jordan, Kaylee, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having us on. I'm doing very well. Kaylee, you good? I'm doing great. All right. Before we get into the article, Jordan, tell me a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how long you've been at the news. Well, we are going to have very similar stories to tell because Kaylee and I are from the same hometown of Youngstown, Ohio. Oh. Have both made our way to Detroit. We actually both started our journalism careers at our hometown paper, The Vindicator, which is sadly no longer in business. From there, I went to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, spent a little bit of time there covering real estate, and I've now been at the Detroit News covering the auto industry for a little over three years. So, And Kaylee, are you a penguin? I am not. No, right. neither one of us are. We both yeah. went to different schools. We had to get out of Dodge. After. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this story. And I don't know. I'll let you guys pick who goes first. Who had the idea for it? It was something that we talked about. So I cover Ford for the Detroit News and Kaylee covers GM. And I think it was kind of a trend that we both had been paying attention to. I think that there's been definitely like an acceleration in some of the changes in the Chinese auto market, but both GM and Ford have seen their sales there, you know, be on the decline or sluggish for several years now. And it's something we had been following But that seems to have ramped up recently. Last year, over half of the domestic manufacturers in China accounted for more than half the market, which was kind of a notable shift. And, you know, what we kind of got at from talking with analysts was this is really being driven by the shift to electric vehicles. And Kaylee, I recently read an editorial opinion in the Wall Street Journal, and it wondered whether American business should get out of China because it seems like China has a playbook of getting the not only American business, but other countries as well, getting the business, getting their technology, and then booting them out of there. Do you agree with that? And do you think Ford and GM think about that? I don't know. I don't really want to give an opinion one way or the other, but I would say that I think that GM would disagree because they sell a lot of vehicles in China. They historically have sold more vehicles in China than they have in the United States in the past couple of years. It's been kind of a back and forth battle, but it's a very important market for them. They're launching their electric vehicles. Some of the same ones are going to launch here, they're first. So, you know, they're sticking it out. They know it's going to be a difficult year. They mentioned that on their earnings call earlier this year. They expect it to remain a challenging environment, but they're working through it. And this is the year of EV launches for them in China, as well as it is here in North America. But they're going, you know, full force forward there and they're not backing down. So So you don't think there's a fear there? Like Jordan mentioned, this is like an ongoing thing. It's not new news that there's been difficulties in China and struggles there. So they're working through it and they haven't, you know, the difficulties of a few years ago didn't stop them from investing billions of dollars to launch electric vehicles this year. So no, I think they're working through it and they expect to see some growth with the launches that they have coming for General Motors. And Jordan, the reason I asked this question is not because I have an opinion one way or another, but I'm just trying to understand it because different media outlets cover stories differently. And so I'm just trying to get at it, what's real and what's not real. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I obviously think it's fair to say that, you know, like geopolitical tensions between the US and China are at, you know, close to an all time high, an all time high. Obviously, that makes it riskier for US companies to invest there. And surely that is, you know, top of mind for folks who make those decisions. But one thing that we you know, also heard from at least one of the analysts we talked to who is, you know, an auto industry expert is you can't just ignore China. It's the world's biggest auto market. It is leading the way on electrification. They're the largest EV market in the world. And if you're going to call yourself a global OEM, how do you just back away from that market? Do they have the infrastructure, the grid to handle that? That's a good question. I'm not sure about their grid. I think that, you know, they have poured a lot of state subsidies into supporting the adoption of electric vehicles there. So I think that they definitely have, you know, supported the build out of EV charging and all of that. And they are, you know, by far the biggest EV market in the world there. I think that electric vehicles accounted for a quarter of all new passenger vehicle sales there last year, which is you know, much bigger than the U.S. Our sales of EVs here, I think, were like 6% last year. So, you know, I think, Kaylee, the first paragraph in your story just really laid it out well. Detroit's automakers are reassessing their strategies in China, the world's largest auto market, after being caught flat-footed by increasingly competitive domestic manufacturers. How'd they get caught flat-footed? Aren't we ahead of the game here? Well, I think it's an interesting market. I think they've had to figure out along the way the best products. And it feels like the Chinese consumer has kind of changed what it wants over the years. So it's had to adjust quickly. And then also, you know, some of the domestic automakers there are offering pretty well-priced electric vehicles. Right, Jordan? That's pretty much from what I remember from our story, some of the things that we pointed out. Yeah, BYD is an interesting example, and I'm not like an expert on their business, but they have very quickly, they actually overtook Volkswagen as the top seller in China. Recently, they are on track or like neck and neck with Tesla to be the world's biggest EV maker. So I think just the domestic manufacturers there, and I think that there is some level of, you know, being supported by the state government with subsidies, but they have been able to figure out the cost structure for EVs in a way that other companies are maybe still figuring it out. And Chinese consumers, as Kaylee said, tend to be ahead of the curve. They are early adopters of new technology. And companies like BYD seem to have figured it out. They're offering vehicles at very affordable price points that do not compromise on quality or technology. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Ford and GM and their moves in China's auto market. We'll do that next here on Media Business. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Gordon Grzleski and Kaylee Hall are fine reporters for the Detroit News. They cover the auto beat. 
And we're talking about their great story titled Why Detroit Automakers Are Losing Ground in the World's Largest Auto Market. Jordan, talk a little bit about the Blue Oval. Sure. So I cover Ford for the Detroit News. They historically have had a pretty small business in China. They've never been a huge player there, but they have seen their sales or their market share trend even further downward in the last couple of years. I think they're at something like 2% market share. So it's not a huge market for them and they're not a major player there, but their CEO recently made some headlines for saying that Ford is going to move to a leaner model there. So meaning they're going to focus on the areas of the business where they have the highest returns and they're going to pull back on some of their investments. They're not abandoning the market. He's reiterated this is a very important market because of how large of a market it is and because of how ahead of the curve consumers there are in terms of adopting new technologies. But it's going to be a leaner model and it's going to take them a few years to get to where they want to be. Kaylee, talk a little bit about the Stellantis. When we reported on the story, we reported that their joint venture there filed bankruptcy last year following the decision to dissolve the partnership and import SUVs into the country. So they don't sell a lot in China. I don't think they're very focused on China. General Motors is heavily focused on China. They're launching 20 new or refreshed models this year, including the Buick Electra, which is their first Altium-based EV. And it's likely going to be the Buick EV that launches in North America, but they're launching it there first in China. Buick has historically been very competitive in China. So even just recently, Mary Barra, the CEO, talked about how she feels confident in that product and in, in the Buick legacy there and its connection with the Chinese consumer. Okay, what has Buick done over in China to become so popular? I don't know. Historically, it's done well, and the Chinese consumer likes the product. It's sold pretty well, and Buick is on this reinvention mission right now. Buick, as you may know, has kind of struggled here in North America. Oh, yeah, Kaylee, they brought Tiger Woods on board to change that stigma of being the old person's vehicle. I tried to buy one of my boys one of those vehicles for transportation. He goes, no way, that's an old man's car. No, they're yeah. good cars and they last forever. Yeah, and they kind of made fun of themselves in past ads about that. But they're trying to, they came out with this concept, the Wildcat, that's very sleek, very cool. And in North America, at least, they're pitching the new Buick towards a younger female demographic. And it's sort of the same. They're also reinventing themselves, I think, in China. But they've had a great legacy in the country. And I think that they're hoping that, you know, and especially with the new products coming, that that keeps them going strong there. So, so Jordan, what's the battle plan for Ford to really get in the EV game in China? That is a top of mind question that I do not know the answer to. Ford actually had a Capital Markets Day event yesterday. There were a bunch of investors and analysts in Dearborn for two days, and they were asked about this a couple of times. And their CEO, Jim Farley, basically said, we're not going to say much more about it right now. We think it's going to take us a few years to figure things out there, but pay attention to exports. He said that would be the key metric to watch. And that is going to be their focus for the time being is they do have some successful Lincoln does well there, their luxury brand. I know they're still developing localized EVs for the market there, but they basically said, we're going to focus on making this an export hub. Kaylee, you talked a little bit about GM and their plans, the story. He talks about how in 2022, China sales dropped 20%. In 2020, they were down 6.2%. So that's three straight declines. What's their plan to get back in the game? It's all these new launches. You know, when Mary spoke on CNBC, she said the next 12 to 18 months are really going to be critical for them. They have to launch 
well and they have to deliver to the customers and really, you know, I'm not there in China to know how they're marketing the product, but I'm sure they're aggressively pitching their new EVs and their refresh models to the Chinese consumer. You know, part of the story kind of took me back in memory to what happened with Chrysler and what they had to do and our big three and what they had to do several years ago in regards to, okay, it's not working here. What are we going to do to change that? And your story talks a little bit about obviously China making inroads. What have they done to improve their market share, Jordan? Well, I think that what we gleaned from our reporting is that the domestic brands have rapidly been able to gain more market share there because, at least in part, they're able to offer electric vehicles that consumers actually want to buy, meaning they are attractive vehicles, they are equipped with really cool cutting-edge technology. I was reading a report out of the Shanghai Auto Show about some of them offering like karaoke in the vehicle. <laughs> they're priced at like half the price point of what GM and Ford are selling their products for. You know, and Kaylee, this story reminds me a little bit. Again, I have 22 and 19 year old sons. And <laughs> when we were talking about vehicles, they don't care about room or comfort. They want tech and they want stuff in there. And I think from your story, it sounds like not only is China getting that, but GM and Ford are getting that also. Yeah, they call the inside of the Electra E5 the virtual cockpit. So I think even giving it a cool name just kind of sets it apart. And there's a lot of fancy features in there. You could just spend all day in there trying to figure them out. <laughs> We're talking with Detroit News reporters Jordan Grzliski and Kaylee Hall. When we come back for our last segment, we're going to talk more about China and the cars that people are buying over in China and how Ford and GM are trying to be better at selling more cars in that country. We'll do that next on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're talking car sales in China and the strategies that are changing for Ford and GM and how they can sell more cars there. Jordan, I want to talk to you a little bit more about who's leading the way when we talk about worldwide manufacturers and selling cars there. Last year, the domestic brands captured more than half the market in China, and BYD recently became the top-selling brand there, overtaking Volkswagen. Volkswagen historically has been a big player there, and you know I don't cover VW, but I've seen some other reports about they're absolutely not backing away from that market. They're going to try to get products into that marketplace at a faster pace, and that's more in line with what consumers want there. So I think there are you know, a number of brands that are realizing how stiff the competition is. And it's also one of their most important markets. So they're going to try to, you know, amp things up there. 
Hey, Kaylee, there's a quote in this story that I found pretty interesting. What moves China customers today moves the world tomorrow. That's from the BMW CEO. Is China ahead of the game when it comes to purchasing vehicles and what their customers want when compared to the United States, Germany, England, so on? Yes. When it comes to electric vehicles, especially, like I said, GM has launched vehicles in China before it has launched them in North America because the consumer is more prepared for them there than they are here. So I'm sure they're taking their learnings from China and applying them here. You know, if there's certain features that are well liked in China that they feel like could work here, they might add them to the vehicle here. So I think that, you know, the Chinese consumer definitely they help us understand how we can better launch electric vehicles here when we do. So Jordan, I find that really interesting. I'm a former college DJ, put myself through school doing that. Ended up DJing some in Mexico as, as well as Canada. And I had some friends who went over to England and the music scene is way beyond and more futuristic than it was here. And I had no idea the China market was the same way when it comes to purchasing vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've heard Ford's CEO acknowledge that, you know, while there might be challenges for Ford there, they can't abandon China because it's a very important market in terms of the size of the market, the rate of EV adoption. But, you know, part of Ford's transformation that they're going through right now, they've really emphasize that electrification is not even the most important change that's happening. It's the change to a really digitally software defined vehicle, a very high tech one that has over the air software updates and lots of tech features and where data is coming off the car. And that sounds a lot like what, you know, China is some of the, you know, successful brands are doing there right now. They're ahead of the game with that. Kaylee, what surprised you most working with Jordan and putting together this story? Something surprising <laughs> you learned or something that you weren't, you know, thinking about? No, I mean, I think, like I said, this has kind of been an ongoing story. I remember when I first got here in 2019, we wrote a story about the China market being a difficult place. So I guess the surprise for me is that it's still a difficult place. But uh, I guess when you throw in a pandemic, I think in 2019, they were starting to gain some momentum. And then the pandemic hit, and then there were all these restrictions in China that more severe than they were here, and they really struggled through that. So, I mean, I guess it's this that we're still talking about this, right? So many years later. So, yeah, it's just, I think we will still continue to see GM try very hard to make progress in China, and we'll see how these launches go for them over the next year. Jordan, what surprised you most in putting together this story? I would say that while I understood that China was a leader in electrification in terms of consumer adoption, just understanding how far ahead they really are. You know, we cover the electrification of the industry, the ins and outs of that every single day in our job. But, you know, we're primarily focused on what's happening in the U.S. And to hear that a quarter of their new vehicles sold last year were EVs. And I think I read that the Shanghai Auto Show, like two thirds of the product on display there was electric. That's just kind of mind blowing how far ahead they are with that. Does the Detroit News send you guys to that show? They have not sent me. We <laughs> have to use this as a pitch to get us there next year. <laughs> All right. I'm going to yeah. work on that, Jordan. The one thing I really try to decipher when you talk about China and anything, there's the political issues and there's the business issues and there's this world that we live in. And so I'm trying to work my way through that. And, you know, I asked you guys earlier about the grid. Is China ready for that? And your answer 
you know, wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But what we keep hearing, China doesn't care about that. They're going to burn coal. They're going to burn oil. Well, if that's the truth, then why would they be putting so much focus in EVs? You know, I, I want to get each of your thoughts on that, Jordan. I don't know. That one might be a little bit beyond my area of expertise. I, yeah, I'm not an expert on their, you know, energy, I guess, systems there. But it's absolutely fair to say that they have, you know, put a lot of state support behind the build out of the electric vehicle market there and that they have poured a lot of money into supporting, you know, things like the charging infrastructure. So I'm not sure what their, you know, energy grid is like, but fair to say the state has been very, you know, supportive of building out the electric vehicle market. All right. And finally, Kayla, your thoughts on that? Well, I think at the end of the day, too, we do have to realize that electric vehicles are, in fact, very cool. And the power is instantaneous. Jordan and I have both had the opportunity to drive them. And it's like, they're very fun to drive. And, you know, I've never driven one over a period of time to say whether you can save money on gas. But if I could, I'd currently drive a 2010 Silverado. So I would appreciate that. So yeah, I mean, we have to take those two factors into play as well as that they're cool and you can save money by not having to fuel up your vehicle. So the story was fascinating and it just begs so many more questions. I look forward to reading more with both of you, Kaylee Hall, Jordan Grzleski, both with the Detroit News, excellent reporter writers. You can follow them both on Twitter. I appreciate you both so much. Thank you very much. And I tell you what, we'll see if we can get you both sponsorship for the Shanghai show. We'll have you our correspondence there and see that you get sweet EVs to ride in. I think only Jordan can handle that play ride, so you can go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Tony. It was good being on the show. All right. Kaylee, thank you, too. I'm Tony Connolly. This has been Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.